Psalm 86, verses 1 through 10. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble, I call upon you, for you answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name, for you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Good morning, everyone. My name is Craig Cody, one of the elders here. Thankful that you're here with us this morning. We're in the midst of a transition. We just wrapped up our four-part sermon series on Advent, and we're going to get back into Mark starting next week. Uh, But this Sunday, uh, we're going to do a one-off topical sermon on something that is near and dear, my heart, many of your hearts, and the topic is prayer. It's something I've wanted to preach on for a while now, Uh, but as I started to write it and I thought about it more and more, I realized how hard this topic is. Uh, The topic is massive, right? You can go to a bookstore and there's an entire section on prayer. You can go into a seminary library and you'll find an entire wing of books filled with thoughts and meditations on prayer. And so how do I distill this down to 30 minutes today? I just want to say from the outset, um, I don't come to you uh, from up here uh, as a man who has it all figured out. Um, I really want you to hear that this morning. I preach this for me. And it's been good, obviously, for me to study it. Um, I preach this for me and I preach this for you. Um, my faith family, to grow as a family in prayer. Uh, I have a lot of reasons, actually, to hope that we will. Um, So, when I even bring up the topic of prayer, what do you think of? What do you think about when I say prayer? I remember reading a story once uh, about something that happened in China. These uh, group of people were visiting a temple, and it was a great feast day. They were having a lot of people, a lot of food, a lot of party, and many of the worshipers came to pray to an idol that was housed in a shrine there. And what they would do, the worshipers, would take already written out prayers on little pieces of paper. Either they had printed them out or they wrote them there, and they took some hard mud and they rolled up that prayer inside the mud, and then they would take that ball of mud and fling it at the idol. And if it, this is the way it went, if the mud with the prayer stuck to the idol, then your prayer would be heard and answered. But if that prayer hit and fell or hit and bounced off, then your prayer would not be heard. It was rejected by the God. Is that how you view pure prayer? If you fling it the right way with the right stuff, it'll stick. Is there any really real way to know whether God even heard it? How do you view prayer? Do you pray? What's your prayer life like right now? What good does prayer good, what good does prayer do? Does God even hear us? Those are big questions. And the Bible has good answers to those big questions. But at the outset, I, I want to recognize that these questions and the place of prayer in our lives is not a side project or um, 
a little part of the Christian life. It is central to the life of following Jesus Christ. The Bible and all of Christian history testifies to the centrality of prayer in the life of the church and in the life of the follower of Jesus. I just want to want you to listen for just a second. <clears throat> a few quotes from saints ancient and current. Here are a few. What can be more excellent than prayer? What is more profitable to our life? What sweeter to our souls? What more sublime in the course of our whole life than the practice of prayer? That's Augustine. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. That's Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Things happen which would not happen without prayer. Let us not forget that. That's Elizabeth Elliot. I would rather teach one to pray than ten to preach. That's Charles Spurgeon. We must begin to believe that God, in the mystery of prayer, has entrusted us with a force that can move the heavenly world and bring its power down to earth. Andrew Murray. That's just a few. And a lot more. This, those types of quotes, those types of thoughts roll me back. Uh, when I think about people, these people in particular, who have seen God move mountains, and they say this about prayer, I'm forced to stop and consider. There's two questions I want to answer with you today from God's word. And here are the two questions. First, why would we pray? Why pray? Why is it important? Why does it matter? Are we just flinging mud balls? Two, and if I should pray, then how do I do it? Why do we pray? How do we pray? Let's pray and ask for the Lord's help right now. Father, teach us to pray. We are so thankful that we can approach you even now as your children. What a gift you've given us. Lord, we need your help. Feed us from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first one, why would I pray? Why would you pray? Let's go back to Psalm 86. We see a handful of reasons. I just want to highlight three of them, why you would pray. Here's reason number one, verse one. Look at that again if you have your Bible open. Psalm 86 is where we are, verse one. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. So reason number one is because we are poor and needy. Sometimes we feel that and sometimes we don't, don't we? Uh, I felt it this week. I was praying for a friend that was in a very, very difficult place, and I could not help. But in other weeks, we don't feel it. We just sail on through. The truth is, at all times, we are completely dependent beings. We are poor and needy all the time. Paul the Apostle says, to, says this to the Corinthian church. He says, what do you have that you did not receive? What do you have that you did not receive? Everything Absolutely everything in your life comes from God himself. We, de we depend on God today to do everything from provide lunch to continue to hold together the subatomic particles that make up the room that we sit in. We're dependent. And even more than that, we depend on him to rescue us from sin and darkness and transfer us into the kingdom of his beloved son. That's what it says in Colossians. So we are poor and needy. That's reason number one. Reason number two, because of who God is. Why do we pray? Because of who God is. Verse five. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Who is God? 
What does it say in this passage? First, he is good. How is he good? Jesus talks later on about, in Matthew 7, about how to approach God when we pray. And he says this, Matthew 7, you can just listen. Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Jesus is saying that God, the Father, God is more good than the most good. He is greater than the greatest Father on the face of the earth. He will give good things to us, not always what we want. And my heart aches even saying that. I know that, and I know yours does too. Not always what we want, but good things which can never be taken from us. First, he is good. And second, he is forgiving. Listen to this illustration that I read recently by a man named A.C. Dixon. This is what he said. Rising early one morning, I heard the barking of a group of hunting dogs in pursuit of their prey. Looking away to a broad, open field in front of me, I saw a young fawn making its way across, and it gave signs that it was about to lose its race. Reaching my fence, the fawn leaped over and crouched within 10 feet of where I stood. A moment later, two of the hounds came over. When the fawn ran in my direction and pushed its head between my legs, I lifted the little fawn to my chest and swinging round and round, fought off the dogs. I felt just then that all the dogs in the world could not and should not capture that fawn after its weakness had appealed to my strength. So it is when human helplessness appeals to God Almighty. Well do I remember when the hounds of sin were after my soul until, at last, I ran into the arms of Almighty God. He is forgiving. He is good. He is forgiving. And he abounds in steadfast love to all who call on him. That's what it says at the end of verse 5. Do you know that the Lord does not despise you, but rather he wants you? He desires you? He welcomes the needy. Yes, we pray because we are poor and needy. Those are the people he welcomes. This is from Mark 10. We're going to get there soon. Mark 10, verses 13 and 14. And they were bringing children to Jesus that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. He does not push away those the world deems weak or a nuisance but says, let them come to me. In fact, he has opened the door to allow all of us to come in. You know, kings, people of high rank, you can't just waltz in to go see them. You have to come on certain days, certain times, certain ways. Even think of the story of Esther in the Bible, where she did go in to see the king, but her life hung in the balance if the scepter was not extended to her in mercy. The doors of the courts of God, the king of kings, the door to the mercy seat are always open. Always. They're open to you. He is not too busy. He is not annoyed by you. He is not too tired for you. We who are sinful, he who is holy, he has opened the doors to us. He's torn the curtain and we can enter in by the blood of Jesus Christ. Listen to what Spurgeon says. He says, The happy gates of gospel grace stand open day 
and night. That is true. This is the promise-keeping, unbreakable love of God, that steadfast love of God. He welcomes the needy. So that's the second reason. We pray because of who God is. He is good. He is forgiving. And he welcomes the needy with his steadfast love. And so the third reason. We pray because God chooses to work through our prayers. This is astounding. Verses 6 through 8 of Psalm 86. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble, I call upon you, for you answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. God is completely sovereign. He is in control over all things. And that is one of my favorite things about him. It's one aspect of his power which brings me great comfort. But what is most astounding to me is that God, in his sovereign control and power and will, chooses to respond to the prayers of his people. That's what the Bible teaches. He responds to the prayers of me and you. Listen to this quote. Prayer remains one of the great and glorious mysteries of the universe, that the all-knowing, all-wise, all-sovereign God should ordain to run his world in response to our prayers is mind-boggling. But that is the uniform witness of Scripture. God hears and answers the prayers of his people. Oh, do not neglect this amazing way of influencing nations and movements and institutions and churches and people's hearts, especially your own. So, why do we pray? Let's just a quick review. That's the first question, right? We pray because we're poor and needy. We pray because of who God is. And we pray because God chooses to work through our prayers. Brothers and sisters, let's be people of prayer. But how? How do we do it? How do I pray? I'm going to divide this section into two parts. Posture and props. Posture and props. So let's talk about posture. Posture is a funny thing. You guys are all sitting up a little straighter right now, right? Posture. How you sit, how you hold yourself, how you handle your body can affect a lot. Even the way that you perceive me. If I'm like this or I'm like this, it changes the way that you feel about me, right? It communicates something. It not only communicates something, the way you sit or stand or the way that you look, but it also conditions your own response. Here's, let me give you an example of what I mean. I coach Little League Baseball, um, and I've coached three years, and two of those years have been for seven- and eight-year-olds. And one of the big challenges of baseball, for those of you who are familiar with it, is to keep kids in the proper posture for the game. It's long. It can get really boring. So you've got these different types of kids. You've got the flower pickers. You've got the cloud watchers. You've got the back-to-the-gamers. You've got all these different types of kids, and they're all distracted. It's hard for them to focus on the game. And so what I taught them, I, I read this on a website, was to practice creeping up on people, right? Practice creep, which sounds like a bad thing to do. But the idea is that when you creep up on someone, which every kid knows how to do, you're on your toes. You're ready for action, right? And so during the games, when I see the kids doing this and this and this, I would just yell out, creep. And then that would snap them back to attention. And they would start to move towards home plate, hopefully not too fast. Posture helped them get into the right frame of mind. It brought focus, and it brought their, even their bodies to attention to the game. So what's the posture of prayer? 
What's the attitude or position of prayer? Listen to what Jesus says in John 5, verse 19. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. Listen to this illustration by Paul Miller. Imagine that in a restaurant you overhear a grown man, an adult man, at another table say, I don't do anything by myself. I just do what I see my dad doing. Analyze that person from just that snippet. Maybe you say how immature he is, how poor his boundaries are, and how he needs to grow up. And then we read what we just read in John 5, 19. Truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. We're talking about Jesus. Jesus is the most dependent human being that ever lived. We know that because he says it repeatedly, particularly in the book of John. That is what made the cross so terrifying for Jesus. He'd never been separated from his father. Our normal of not being dependent on God is his hell. The posture of prayer is dependence. Like a small child in his loving father's lap. When we pray like that, we are following in the footsteps of Jesus the most dependent person who ever lived. And is that not the very spirit that God himself has placed in our hearts, in the hearts of those who have trusted in him, that spirit of dependence? Romans 8, 15 says this, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We have a posture of childlike dependence. And we also use props. And what I mean by props, just the alliteration, right? Posture, props. What I mean by props is tools, helps, structures to help us pray. They help us focus. And I'm just going to skim over these pretty quickly. Um, I'm going to make a post later on today on our church website on Realm um, to list a lot of these books and resources out. This is, this is an acronym. The acronym is F-A-D-E-S, FADES. The idea that if you aren't praying, your spiritual vitality, your spiritual life is going to fade. But the, this is some, something I took from uh, another pastor, John Piper, and I thought it was very helpful. It's a very helpful structure for me. So I just want to share it with you. So let's work through it. F-A-D-E-S, F, some practical help. Free and formed. So we're praying free. How do we pray? Pray free and formed. Free meaning unstructured. You're just pouring your soul out to God. Psalm 86, what Mitch read for us earlier is David just pouring his soul out to God. The Psalms are full of these types of honest prayers. We want to pray those free prayers. We also want to pray formed prayers, that is written out or structured prayers. The Bible is always going to be our first reference for this. Maybe you lack the words for these honest prayers. Go to the Psalms. The Bible records the prayers of many men and women of God. But really, any page can be prayed back to God. Do this in me. Help me to believe this promise. Align my heart with that, Father. You can pray it that way. Lists are helpful. Paul Miller, who I mentioned earlier, he wrote a book called A Praying Life. That's a very helpful tool to many people that I know. He makes lists. It's a way that he can keep on track and track answers to prayer, too. Resources that we've used in the past. Some of you know about Operation World. It's a way to pray through the unreached people groups of the world. And there's a smaller one. There's a, a one that's geared more toward kids called uh, 
Window on the World, that's the name of it. Window on the World, we use that with our kids at different points and it's been helpful. Every Moment Holy, it's full of liturgies to pray through. Valley of Vision. Matthew Henry's method of prayer is probably the one I use the most. Um, Again, I'm gonna put these up on the website, but any of those I would recommend to you. Another way to do formed prayer is patterns. Every night, there's some lights that kind of shine off of the digital clocks of the appliances in our kitchen. I take some missionary prayer magnets and I slap them over those lights. They magnetize and stick over them. But I, when I grab those magnets and stick them over the lights, it just reminds me, a little cue, pray for those people, pray for those people. Just little things like that are helpful. So that's F, free, informed. A, alone and assembled. Let's talk about alone. Jesus said this in Matthew 6. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus is saying here, and this is a really important verse about prayer. Jesus is saying that your private prayer life reflects your spiritual integrity. Here's what I mean. People will pray when they're pressed, right? They'll pray when they're anxious. They'll pray when they're needy. They'll pray when they feel overwhelmed, or even when social, social circumstances dictate it. But those with a genuine relationship with God the Father will want to pray whether they're pressed or not. Private prayer is difficult for me. I'm, I'm going to admit that to you. But it's also the time when I can most freely unburden myself before the Lord. It's a lot of times my most authentic prayer. There's a lot of ways that you can have private prayer. Remember that many of you know the story of John Wesley's wife, Susanna Wesley. A lot of kids, a lot of chaos. She used to take that apron while sitting at the kitchen table, her apron, she'd throw it up over her head just while she's sitting at the table. And the kids would know, Mama has just entered the Holy of Holies. She's talking to God. Daniel in the Bible, he viewed private prayer as so important he was ready to go to the lion's den. Private prayer is critical, so that's alone and assembled. Praying together was the way of life for the church in Acts. They prayed together all the time. When God opened the jail and Peter walked out, where did he find his church, his people? At a prayer meeting. They were praying. We're meant to pray together. There's exhortations all throughout the Bible. It's a family affair, a faith family affair. Do it with your kids, that, is so, that has been so life-giving for me to pray over the years with my kids. Not only the impact that praying with other people has on my kids, but also the impact my kids, hearing my kids pray, have on me and on others. Prioritize faith family. Those of you who are members here, prioritize those all-church prayer meetings. One of the sweet things has been including kids in that. They're part of that. Five and under are watched, but everybody else is part of it. Come to those. So that's A, D, we're gonna keep going fast. D, desperate and delighted, desperate. I love this Augustine quote. Thou hast put salt on my lips that we would thirst for thee. You put salt on my lips that we would thirst for you, God. Put salt there so that we would thirst for you. Times of desperation for God to move in our lives, come and go. That's what I've talked about already. But that heart, that hunger for God is so right. It's a recent prayer, actually, that I've been praying for myself, and specifically for the elders, and for you, my faith family. It's the, the prayer of Psalm 42. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. 
My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. That thirst for God, desperate for him. Desperate for him and for him to move. Above everything, I, everything else, I really do ache for God himself. I want to know him. Pray that prayer. Be desperate for God. Delight, And then the other one is delighted. The point here is there are, there are moments where we're desperate for him. We are so needy for him and we feel that. And there are moments where things are going really well. We're happy. But pray in both circumstances. Paul said in another place, he said, we have to learn how to abase and how to abound. We have to know how to have abundance and how, we have, how to rejoice when we have lack. There are times to rejoice where you're leaping like a deer and there are times of desperation where you're thirsty like that deer in Psalm 42. Pray in all circumstances. So that's D. E, explosive and extended. That just means short and long. Sometimes your prayers are just, Jesus have mercy. Oh, Father, help me. I feel like I pray that prayer often. And sometimes you need to go on for a little while. But let me encourage you with this. Those prayers, your prayers, do not need to be articulate. They don't have to be perfect. Remember the posture piece? You're just a child in your father's lap. Jesus specifically said this. He addressed this in Matthew 6. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. The heaping up of empty phrases, just the the flowery phrases and words. They don't have any content. It doesn't have any heart. There's no need to put on a show, brothers and sisters. You can just be yourself before your father who loves you. He sees you. He knows you. He wants to hear from you. So that's E, explosive, short, and extended, long prayers. And then the last one, spontaneous and structured. Spontaneous. I actually think this is one of my favorite ones, spontaneous and structured, because uh, this, is, this is something that you can do almost anytime and anywhere when you encounter somebody. Let me give you a couple examples. So imagine you're talking to somebody downstairs after the church. After we wrap up here, we all go down in the basement. We have a little, little time to talk. You're talking to somebody, and they're sharing something from their heart, something that's hard. And I think after listening and showing empathy and caring, one of the most helpful things that you can do is just cross that awkward bridge, and you know what I'm talking about. You cross that awkward bridge and you say, hey, can I pray for you right now? And that helps in a couple big ways that I just want to highlight. First, you bring your brother and sis- or sister before the throne of God. That is awesome. And second, when you pray for somebody right there on the spot, guess what happens after they leave? You're far more inclined to pray for them, aren't you? Here's another example of those uh, spontaneous prayers. And we were, my family and I, we were missionaries in China for a number of years. I had a number of Muslim friends. And they followed another God, of course, um, a God who could only be reached at certain times of day and in certain directions. They had to pray a particular direction. But I serve and know the true and living God. And I wanted to show those Muslim friends of mine that he, the living God, intersected with my life at every moment of every day at any place that I needed him. And, and I'm a priest in that sense, right? I'm a priest, the miracle of the priesthood of all believers, anytime, anywhere, access to God himself. So when they would share something with me, something hard from their life, I would ask them, even though they weren't yet a follower of Jesus, I'd say, hey, can I pray for you? And almost every single one of them would say yes. 
Here's a, here's a real life example that happened pretty recently. Many of you know that on Sunday nights we have an international church that, that meets at our house. Um, it's a service of this church. And he had, a, there, it's a gathering of internationals from all around the world. And one of the guys was a Muslim. And he had asked for prayer specifically for something that was going to happen in his life. This happened just a couple weeks ago. The Lord powerfully answered that prayer, provided for him, helped him find a job. And the man, as he was getting ready to leave for another city, told me the last time he was at International Church, which, again, we're talking about my living room, okay? Not, any, not anything special. He said to me, God has answered my prayer. This place is a holy place. That's the power of the spontaneous prayer. It's a testimony to the God who loves and listens and answers prayer. Spontaneity is about seizing those moments. And then we also have structure. All of us need structure in life, right? It helps us to keep on track with what we're doing. We're rhythmic creatures. We need those guardrails to keep us on track. And so building in times of prayer can be really, really helpful. Rhythms, different ways to pray. Um, This year, I, I was listening to a podcast recently. And it was a pastor was sharing about his rhythms of prayer, a pastor from New York City. And I, this is a, me going out on a limb a little bit. I'm going to really try to do this this year. So you guys can hold me accountable. Um, what he does and what I'm going to try to do is in, in the morning, it's morning, noon, and night type prayer, just little cues to keep on track. In the morning, it's about seeking God, hungering for him, asking for him, like the prayer of Moses, to show me his glory, reveal himself to me. Reveal him to my family, to all of us. And at noon, it's going to be about the neighborhood. I'm going to ask the Lord to really break my heart for our neighbors here around us, for the people in our workplaces, in our schools, in this city, and even to the ends of the earth. I'm going to pray for opportunities to share the gospel. And then in the evening, it's intercession, confession of sin, asking God to come and help you all, asking God to come and help me. I'm asking God to use those structures to help me focus on prayer. So there we have it, fades, F-A-D-E-S. Those structures can be really helpful. The posture and the props come together. But what happens, just as I'm closing, what happens if we pray, brothers and sisters? What would happen if we start to pray and seek God together? Many of you already do. If I had more time, I would tell you story after story of physical healings, Changed villages, repentant kings, generations of violence that came to an end, lives restored, the most hardened hearts softened. But I'm going to say this, if we, Christ community, pray, the Lord will come, his timing, his ways for sure, but God will move among us and through us to bring gospel-saturated blessing to a world broken all around us. That's what he does. He moves in response to our prayers. There's a lot of kids in this room today. Kids, listen to me right now. I'm talking to you. You're not too young to pray. You're not too young to take prayer seriously. Start praying now. Pray with your mom and your dad. Pray with your brothers and sisters. Pray. Men, men in this room, step up and lead. Lead by example. Cultivate a life of prayer. Women, women in this room, the prayers of women are so prominent throughout the Bible. God holds your prayers in high esteem. Pray, all of us, all of us. Let's pray and let's do pray.
Father, thank you for the gift of prayer. What a gift it is. You have done the work of opening the doors of heaven to us through the blood of our Savior, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are our mighty Savior. Thank you that you welcome us in. Thank you that you respond to our prayers. You are good, and we are looking to you. Our eyes are on you, O God. In Jesus' name, amen.